please turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 1. I know I wrongly said last week that our final sermon in Revelation, that was number 47. Today we're coming back to it, uh, number 48. I think it's kind of fitting that we're doing it this way with, with no live stream and no recording and all of that, because we're going to go over a, a part of Revelation that I thought that we have not been able to speak to enough as we should have. I don't want us to finish this study of the book without you knowing what we're going over today. Every time we teach a new members class here, we have a whole session on how much Jesus loves the church. It's good for you to hear that, isn't it? Jesus loves the church. We have a whole session on that. If you've been through the new members class or been through it recently, you remember that. And the point is, is that he really loves the church, and then we move into, we should love the church too. But as we're making that point, we find ourselves needing to clarify that the church is the people. It's not 413 Fairdale Road, it's not this building, it's not this roof. It's the people that are covenanted together here. And then it's all the believers in the whole world is the church, all right? And Jesus loves the church. And one of the ways that we kind of emphasize this in the New Members class is I will say, and, and I hope that you remember this, is, is I will say, hey, let's, let's say that a big storm came through and just totally wiped out everything. Would we still be able to have church here? To which everybody says, yes, right? Well, the storm wasn't big enough that it wiped away our building and our property. But the storm did some damage. Our sign is now broken and the back of the building is ripped off and we don't have any power, no lights, no heat, no coffee. But we're still having to meet on And that leads right into what we're talking about here today. There is a theme in Revelation that I mentioned every time we got to it, but we haven't put it all together. It's called the Beatitudes of Revelation. Now, when I hear, when I say the Beatitudes and you hear the Beatitudes, you think of that passage that Matt read earlier from Matthew chapter 5, which is the way Jesus opened up his longest ever recorded sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in their totality, really, give us this long sermon that Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins that with what we call the Beatitudes. Now, Beatitude is just a, a, a really a fancy word for blessings, okay? And so what it is, is you see these statements that are filled with, with blessings. And so you have those verses in Matthew 5 from verse 2 up to verse 12. Jesus saying, blessed is this, and blessed are you with this, and blessed is this. And so what it shows us is what God considers to be a good thing in your lives. It shows us what God considers to be a blessing in your lives. And it becomes a, a, a really helpful and challenging gauge as to if we value what God values. Do we consider it a blessing what God considers it a blessing? Or do we consider it a blessing what God considers a blessing? The Beatitudes do that. The Beatitudes is, are, are God saying, blessed are you for this. 
have this sermon beginning that way. It ends up being this statement from God that is important to me. That is what I value. You are blessed because of that. We are challenged to trust Him and believe Him through it. Well, we see those clearly in Matthew 5, but in Revelation, the word blessed is only found seven times. The word blessed is only found seven times, and those become what are known as the seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. Seven different places where this book says, Blessed are you if this. Blessed are you because of this. And like I said, each time we got to one of those, okay, I mentioned it, but we never put it all together for you to be able to hold on to that. And I think as a, as a conclusion to this great book, Revelation, it will help you a lot to think, okay, with the end times in view, with the return of Christ in view, with all of history in view, with the sovereign Lord, the reigning King Jesus in view, here is the blessing. Here is the blessing. The seven Beatitudes of Revelation are found at 1, 3, 14, 13, 16, 15, 19, 9, 20, verse 6, 22, 7, and 22, 14. Those seven verses are the only places where we have the word blessed, and they become our Beatitudes of Revelation. Let's read the first one. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a few minutes on each of the seven as an overview today of the whole book and as an encouragement to us that we would, in ending this study, truly, from God's perspective, be blessed. Read with me in Revelation 1, 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Here it comes. Verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. This is the first beatitude in the book of Revelation. It's the first place where we see God saying, you are blessed if this, and the emphasis here, is the word of God. Just a little definition word on this word blessed. Blessed speaks to possessing the favor of God. That state of being marked by fullness from God. Okay? Blessing from God, fullness from God. It indicates the state of the believer in Christ. That's a good, helpful definition. It indicates the state of the believer in Christ. It is a rich word whose meaning connotes someone who is well-off and fortunate. And it even includes happiness, but in the sense of the above. The beyond the mere emotional state of happiness. Blessed are you when this book is important in your life. Blessed are you when you value the true words of God. The first beatitude here speaks to that. But notice that it says it in three phases. It says blessed is the person that reads it. Blessed is the person that hears it. Blessed is the person 
That's our first blessing. I want to ask you today the value of the Word of God in your life. I mentioned before that it's often hard to tell whether this is referring to strictly the book of Revelation or it's referring to all the revealed Word of God. We don't do wrong if we say both. But the Word of Revelation and the book of Revelation has value in our lives as well. Were it not for the book of Revelation, we would lose some of our emphasis on the imminent return of Christ. That He is coming soon. He is coming soon. He is coming soon. Were it not for the book of Revelation, we would not have that phrase, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 both speak to that. Were it not for the book of Revelation, we wouldn't have such an emphasis on the Lamb's book of life. And that the names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. I could go on and on with all the emphases that we have coming out of this book of Revelation. Especially the picture of that throne in the center of all of creation and everything around the throne worshiping and worthy is the Lamb on the throne. We recall the songs sung around the throne in Revelation. The first blessing says, Blessed are you if you read it. Blessed are you if you hear it. Blessed are you if you keep it. Church, I want to remind you here today that we are people of the book. We are people of this book. We have every reason in the world to have skipped out on it today, couldn't we? We really do. This might be the very first time in my whole life that I've preached on the day without a shower. We don't have any hot water in our house. So I skipped out on it this morning, all right? We have, right? We have, yeah, okay. I didn't hear that right at first, now I hear I'm not as tough as some of you every reason in the world to not be here this morning. But if there's a blessing in reading this word and hearing this word and committing ourselves to this word, then we want to be here. You ever had one of those books that you love so much? I'm recently getting into the Lord of the Rings, and I will admit to you, I've never read that book before, but my sons love those books, and they're getting me into them. And so I asked somebody recently, had they read it? And they said to me, multiple times. You ever liked a book so much that you've read it multiple times? It was said of Charles Spurgeon that he read Pilgrim's Progress over 100 times in his life. Spurgeon said that. Now, they lived without electricity, okay? Think about that. Think about that. Did you know that the majority of people in the history of the world didn't have electricity? This is more normal than you might realize. Have you ever had a book that you liked so much that you read it multiple times, you thought about it, you went back to it, you referred to it, you quoted it like you quote movies? Folks, this is this book for us. I hope you have others too. But that's this book. It's this book for us. Last night as our kids were falling asleep, with no power, with it being dark early, I grabbed this book and I showed them in Proverbs 3. It says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you sleep, your sleep will be sweet. Now, Proverbs 3.24 says that very thing. This book is so alive and living and true that I understand all of the good reasons why people are not here today. We understand that. There's certainly no legalism saying that you have to be here today. There is a commitment to this book that we find a blessing in. That's the first beatitude. 
that the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That this book has the power to make you wise unto salvation. Blessed are you if you read this book, hear this book, and keep this book. That's the first one. The second beatitude we find in chapter 14. So if you'll turn all the way over to 1413. Fourteen, thirteen. we read this. This is the second beatitude. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who died in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow. That absolutely does what the beatitudes do in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. That turns conventional wisdom or understanding on its head, and that brings to light that God's values are often very different from the things that the world values. Here you have it, plain as day. Blessed are you if you die. And then you have a re-emphasis from the Holy Spirit there in the same verse that says, Blessed indeed. This week I heard somebody say, Dying's got to be the worst day of your life. And I heard somebody else go, Not if you're Christian. <laughs> and blessed indeed are you if to pass away on this side of it moves you immediately to that side was it a bad day when that thief crooked dishonest thief on the cross hung there and died was it a bad day for him? I'm talking about the one that Jesus did. No, no, sorry, there were two. I'm talking about the one that said to Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, will you remember me? And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Was that a bad day for him? That was the best thing that ever happened to him. Hey, him dying that day was the best thing that ever happened. Church, the Bible says right here, write this down, 1413 says, Blessed are the dead who died in the Lord. Hey, if your sins are forgiven, if you are secure in Christ, death is a blessing. We see here that God values things differently than us. Let's be sure to take this mindset. Let's be sure to be sure to take this belief, this foundation, to our funerals to our graves, to our cemeteries, to our difficulty in life and our fading health and our aging and our growing old and our nearing of death, even though we know that death is near for each and every one of us, let's be sure to take the promises of God that teach us the blessing. Psalm 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Here we have the Bible telling us the second beatitude of Revelation. Blessed are you and you die in Christ. If you're here today and you're not ready to die, I'm not talking about being afraid of the unknown. We're all a little bit curious about what that's going to be like. And none of us really want to go through the suffering at the end of life. But if you're afraid to die knowing that your sins aren't forgiven, if you're afraid to die knowing that you're not on your way to heaven, if you're afraid to die because you don't feel secure in the love of God through Christ, today you can get ready. 
You can trust in Christ. If you will ask Him to forgive you of your sins and you will believe that Christ died for you and rose again, you will be ready to die. You'll be fit for heaven. You'll be forgiven. You'll be living but ready to die. Here the second beatitude, blessed are those who die. The third beatitude comes from chapter 16, if you'll turn there. Revelation 16, 15. Revelation 16, 15. This is our third beatitude in Revelation. It says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. This is the warning that the Bible has told us about all throughout. That that day is coming. Revelation has emphasized that to us. The teaching of Christ throughout the Gospels emphasized that to us. And the Old Testament emphasized this to us. But here we have it in, in a blessing. Blessed is the person who is ready. Blessed is the person who stays awake. The Bible teaches from beginning to end that a judgment day is coming. The Bible teaches from beginning to end that the judgment day is coming when Jesus Christ himself returns to inaugurate that judgment day. Are you ready for that? The Bible teaches it in such a way that there will be many who are not ready for that. They'll be caught off guard. They'll be scared that day. They'll be taken back. They're not going to be awake and ready for it. They'll be sleeping on that day. To use the same terminology, awake means you're alert, looking for it, and sleeping means you're not even thinking about it. The Bible teaches that there's a whole world of people who don't consider it real, don't care about it, not worried about it, not concerned about it. They don't think it's going to happen. And yet the blessed people are those who are ready. Are you ready? The Bible says if you come like a thief in the night, which means at any moment it can happen, are you ready for that? Will you be okay when that happens? Are you looking forward to it? Last week we preached on that. Where the Bible says, all who love his appearing, 2 Timothy 4. When Christ comes back, are you going to be ready? It is a blessing to be ready for the judgment. It is a blessing to be ready for the return of the King, King Jesus. The third beatitude coming out of Revelation is, blessed are you when you are in the same vein as that second beatitude, let me remind you here today that you can get ready now. You may have walked in here today going, I, I wasn't ready to think about judgment and face the judgment, but I want to now. If you will turn fully to Christ and trust in Him, then you can get ready. If you will ask Him to forgive you of all your, all your sins and repent away from them and repent toward Him, you will be ready. You will make yourself, or rather His power working in you, will make you fit for heaven. May you hear the blessing in the third beatitude of Revelation. Blessed are those that are ready. Wide awake for the return of Christ. That's the third beatitude. The fourth comes from chapter 19. 19.9 says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
He said to me, these are the true words of God. The fourth beatitude in Revelation says it's a blessing if you're invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb is this great union and this great reunion when Christ returns and gathers all of his people together and then it's, he, he, it gives us the language and the picture of a marriage, meaning he is the groom and the people, the church, all the believers in the world are his bride and he gives this big, strong covenant connection. They are united, never to be separated. And at that, there will be a supper. And the blessing here is blessed are all who are invited to that. The Bible says that Christ calls all to himself. Have you responded to that invitation by trusting in Christ? Are you believing in him? Are you looking forward to the day that Christ returns and you're united with him and gathered with all other believers to live forever in heaven? Do you know that eternal life is a real thing? Eternal life will be lived in the kingdom of heaven forever. It is a blessing that you've been invited into that. Are you trusting in Christ? In heaven, there will be this incredible gathering of all of God's people. All sin, all sin doers, all those who have not been forgiven will not be there like this. We will look around in that moment and we will say, I can't believe I'm here. I'm unworthy to be here. But worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is my Savior. Blessed are you if you find yourself in that relationship. The marriage supper of the Lamb reminds us that you are in this relationship with God. The, the marriage language is describing the relationship that believers have with Christ. The blessing is found in being in a relationship with God. That's our fourth beatitude. The blessing of having a relationship with God. Having a relationship with God means that you have turned from your sins and been saved. And when the Bible says that somebody turns to Christ, the Bible says that we are accepted in and adopted into the family of God. We once were outside of the family of God, but now we are in the family of God. And being in the family of God is the greatest place to be. It's a blessing. That's what this beatitude here in Revelation 19 speaks to. Do you have that blessing? Do you have that blessing in your life? Are you thankful to be accepted into the family of God? Do you identify yourself as being a part of the family of God? It is a blessing to have an invitation. That's our fourth beatitude from 19.9. The fifth beatitude comes from chapter 20, verse 6. Chapter 20, verse 6. This is the fifth beatitude. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ. And they will reign with him for a thousand years. The blessing here speaks of the first resurrection being powerful over the second death. The first resurrection is when you get saved. It's the resurrected power that has raised you from the dead heart, the dead sins that you live in, and raised you into newness of life. And the second death, which is not the first death, the first death is just dying, which we already said, that's a blessing. Let me say that again. The first death is just dying physically. And we've already seen that there's nothing bad about that. There's a blessing when you die in the Lord. That was our second beatitude. 
But the second death is that judgment death where you have been found guilty in your sins and not forgiven. And so in the judgment, you were judged and sentenced to hell where you will live in the state of death forever. Think about it. But the work that Christ does when he saves somebody, when he forgives us of our sins, when he gives us new life, is he gives us the resurrected life that Jesus has. In him is life, we've talked about. In him is life. And having life in Christ, and having eternal life in Him, and having abundant life in Him, and having the living water flowing through us that we've talked about here recently, having that resurrection life in us, there is power over the second death. Blessed are you if you have this eternal life, if you have this salvation, if you have this security. That's a good word to go along with this fifth beatitude. Verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. Blessed are you if you are so secure in Christ that dying is a blessing and the second death won't touch you. What a blessing. What a perspective that is for us. And it speaks to security. Now one of the best ways to think through security and eternal security is to throw the counter statement at us. Insecurity. I know there are a lot of insecurities in our day and a lot of insecurity in our own lives. But may it not be the case that your soul, that who you are on the inside is insecure. May you know right now you are loved. Loved by the eternal God. Loved by the Father who loves you so very much. May you know that God's loving you has sent His Son to do what you could not do for yourself. So much of true love and, and, and self-help talk these days is trying to get you to do what will be good for you. And yet the Bible teaches clearly that we are unable to do for ourselves what we need most. We need to be forgiven of our sins. We need to be able to rest in an identity that comforts us. The Bible says that through the love of Christ who loves us and gave himself for us, that we can be secure in his love forever. Never be taken out of his love. Nothing can get us out of his love. There is such security here. Blessed is the person who shares in that security. That salvation, that position of having the resurrected life of Christ never to be touched again by the second death. What a blessing that is. That's our fifth beatitude. The sixth beatitude comes from the end, chapter 22, and the seventh does as well, which means it wasn't that long ago that we just studied these, but we'll look back to it. Our sixth beatitude comes from chapter 22, Verse 7. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This beatitude here, the sixth beatitude, is very similar to the first one, right? It's an emphasis upon the book, upon the truth, upon the message, upon the word of God. But yet this is a, so you could say it's the same as the first one without the emphasis of reading it, hearing it, keeping it. But it's an emphasis yet again upon the revealed message of God. 
that God is a communicating God. And he's a God who has sent a word to us, a revealed word to us, a truthful and trustworthy word to us that you and I are to commit ourselves to. As I said in the first beatitude, we are to be people of the book. And here this morning, as we look at the sixth beatitude, we are to remind ourselves, yes, there is blessing in believing in this word. There is blessing in keeping this word. But we don't only just see this message of word here. We, we see it in its context. Meaning that this is the last page of our Bibles. This is the last chapter of the Bible. It's the very end. And it is the very place where the emphasis upon the return of Christ. Remember last time? I think it was just last Sunday. I said five times you have the word, you have the word coming. Okay? You have five times you have the word come. You have the five times you have the word soon. So there's an emphasis here at the end of the Bible on the return of Christ. On getting ready, making sure, having security. And yet in that urgent message is also found in this. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this book. Which is a huge, huge reminder to us that the way you prepare to die, the way you live the best you can now. The way you trust God. The way you do good. Is by committing yourself to the truth of God. The Bible teaches that this book is powerful and living. It is able to go to work on us. The Bible teaches that this book and its message is sweet. It even says sweeter than the honey on a honeycomb. The Bible teaches us that this word is to be the very foundation under our feet. Let me read to you the way Jesus speaks of it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I know you probably know this, but it's good for us to hear it again. So Jesus begins that great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, with the Beatitudes, which are these incredible blessing statements that just show what he values are quite a bit different than what everybody else values. The way he views the world and life and blessing is quite a bit different than your average person does. But what I'm, that's how it begins. But what I'm going to read to you right now is how he ends this sermon. These are the last verses of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew said. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now remember, he's not actually talking about a house, he's talking about your life. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. We have here the teaching of Jesus telling us it's all about his words. Your life, metaphorically speaking, is to be like a house built on a firm your life, metaphorically speaking, is in danger if you will not build it on his words. If you try to build your life on a message other than God's true living message, you are prone to fall and collapse when the storms come. That is a sermon that we see lived out day 
lives not having a firm foundation of Jesus Christ in their lives, and therefore struggling, collapsing under the weight of the world. Right after Jesus finishes his message at the Sermon on the Mount, the very next two verses, the end chapter 7, which come from Matthew commenting, says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Jesus, the teacher, possessed a knowledge and a truth that no man has. Teachers aren't good teachers just because they're able to teach. Teachers are good teachers based off the content that they deliver. The Bible is teaching us here. We're not looking for anything new under the sun. The Bible is teaching us here that God has revealed His truth to us. And that we are to build our lives on His Word. The sixth beatitude and the sixth blessing in the book of Revelation is the shortest of all when it says, Blessed is the one who keeps the words of prophecy of this book. There's one more. That's 22.14. And this one is rich and beautiful. This one is such a blessing. It's the seventh of the seven. Revelation 22.14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. This blessing here is all about identity. It is saying that blessed are you when your sins are forgiven. Wrestling with your identity is one of the hardest challenges in the world today. Who are we? Who am I? What am I really when nobody's looking? Answering these questions is really, really hard. Am I only who my parents raised me to be? Can I look in the mirror and be honest? Does everybody else know who I really am? Do I know who I am? These types of identity questions are important for us to deal with. This passage here tells us where our identity, where our identity can be blessed. It speaks of the tree of life, which takes us all the way back to the garden that Adam and Eve were not allowed to eat from because they did wrongly. Here you're allowed to eat from the tree of life. Here you have access into the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. You're allowed to enter through the gates. And the reason why is because they're blessed. They're not blessed because their lives are so good. They're not blessed because their lives are so pretty. They're not blessed because they've figured out some successful way. They're not blessed because they've done this. They're not blessed because they've done that. They're not blessed because they set money back early on in life. They're not blessed because their parents put them in a position to get a good education. They are blessed on the last page of the Bible because their sins are forgiven. If you want to know what is the key to a happy life, it is not trying to figure out how you can never sin again. But it is coming to rest in the truth. God forgives sins. Everybody in here today has a long catalog of what we've done wrong. The biggest of us, the smallest of us, the best of us, and the worst of us. Every one of us has a long catalog of sins we have done. The Bible summarizes that well when it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The 
that the blessing from God is not, don't do that and then I'll bless you. The blessing of that is because of your sins, I have sent my son Jesus in my love to die for you. He took your sins on him. He was nailed to the cross. He suffered the judgment of God. God poured out his wrath and judgment on Christ on the cross and killed him. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life because their sins are forgiven. This language here of washing your robes speaks to that. And when your robes are washed, your identity is cleansed, when your sins have been removed for you because Christ took them, you have access to the heavenly city. You have access to the tree of life. You have the living life of Christ living inside of you. Blessed are you if your sins are forgiven. Blessed are you if you're on your way to heaven. Blessed are those who have humbled themselves and said, my identity is in Christ. Blessed are those who have humbled themselves and said, my identity is in Christ. Meaning, I know who I am, but in my sinfulness, I know who he is. And he loves sinners. And he died for sinners. He forgives sins. So I turn to him instead of away from him. I run to him instead of away from him. And I trust in Christ to be forgiven of all my sins. And the Father who sent Jesus loves me, and I have eternal life in him. What a blessing. When we take these seven Beatitudes of Revelation, 1, 3, 14, 13, 16, 15, 19, 9, 26, 22, 7, and 22, 14, we see God saying at the end of this book, okay, here's who is blessed. I know a lot of times we get confused on thinking that this is a blessing or this is a blessing or if we had this then we would be much better off or it would be such a blessing if, if this would happen. I hear people say all the time, if I could just win the lottery this week, everything would be better. I hear people say that. We speak of the blessing being in things that we think about. The Bible here at the very end tells us what God considers to be a blessing. Blessed are those people. So the call here for us this good morning is for us to align ourselves with the values of God's Word. For us to align ourselves with the values of those things which God values. I remember several years ago hearing about a man who got a wonderful opportunity. His boss called him in and said, you're doing so great. Everything you seem to get involved with seems to take off, do well, grow, have success. Man, you're killing it. We're better off because of what you're doing. So much so that we're going to give you a big promotion. We're going to quadruple your salary. The man at the time made about $100,000 a year and the promotion was going to get him close to about half a million. He was going from about $100,000 a year to a little over $400,000 a year. His work would be easier. His status would be higher. The benefits would be even greater. His family would be set for life. They told him he was going to have to move across country. Relocated. 
Because that plant there needed to have done to it what this man's leadership had done in the first place. He went home, talked to his wife, prayed about it. He went back in, it was time to make the decision. He said, I'll pass. Thanks to nothing. The boss said to him, what? Are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, why would you turn down all of that money? Why would you turn down such a promotion? Why would you turn down all this opportunity and success? Don't you know what this will do for you? The man's reply was, don't need any more money. Happy where I am. Kids are in school where they're at. They've got all their friends. And as I remember being told that story, whether it was actually said or not, what I remember myself perceiving was what the boss values is quite a bit different than what this man values. Folks, there are lots of values in our world today. The Bible teaches us here what Jesus values. For all those who have been forgiven of their sins, may we value what he values. May we know what the blessing May we be blessed because God says it's those that are blessed. Committed to this book. Not afraid to die, but ready to die. Sins forgiven. Identity in Christ. Power working in and through us as Christ was raised from the dead. It's a blessing to be a part of the church. And it's a blessing to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's a blessing to be here today in a chilly, dark room as we look to his word. May you and I believe here today. It's a blessing. And may we commit ourselves by faith to being blessed by God on his terms. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this summary review overview of the Beatitudes of Revelation. God, thank you for those blessings that we see you giving. God, help us to not consider things a blessing that we consider a blessing. If we've not weighed it by your values. God, we pray you would do that work in our heart. You would make us value what you value. Thank you for Christ's teaching. Thank you for his word. Thank you that our lives can be metaphorically built on the rock, which is your truth. Oh God, do that work in us. Help us, God, to read it and teach it in a way that you're making that happen. God, we pray here today that you would bless us, cause our hearts to treasure up the blessing. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.